Hey guys, this is Jim Gavin coming at you today from the Key of Awesome Music Podcast. Um, today's episode is going to be about the publishing side of the music industry, something that I've uh, recently been involved in, um, at least over the past six years at this point. I started my own music publishing company back in 2011 in April. Um, it was called Key of Awesome Music. It was a sole proprietorship at that point in time. And over the next couple years, I did a lot of reaching out to various music supervision companies, music licensing companies, music publishing companies, to see if I can get uh, the music that I've written and recorded as a solo artist out there in different ways, further protect my music, as well as, you know, gaining some extra money at the same time. Um, so for all intents and purposes, it kind of grew and grew and grew. And um, I wanted to take on a few other artists. Some of the artists that I represent now are just really good musician friends of mine that I feel like haven't had their break, so to speak, or maybe hadn't gotten as big as they think they should have um, for the talent that they do have. And uh, I just want to like help some of my musician friends out. It's grown a little bit outside of just some of my core musician friends um, to a couple other artists that I haven't even met to this day and have just discovered uh, the music publishing company on the internet and reached out to me. And I said, sure, I'll try my best to get some song placements for you. And uh, so, yeah, so today it's, it's not to speak about Key of Awesome Music, um, but it's more to speak about the publishing do's and don'ts so that if you find yourself in a situation where you're wanting to get your music out there and, you know, there's a company or a representative who is willing to take on your music, kind of what to look out for, what not to, like, get yourself involved in. Um, it can be a very gray sort of hairy area if you're not well versed in knowing the legal jargon and knowing the different terminology that happens um, within the music publishing side of things and you want to make sure that you uh, dot all your I's and cross all your T's before you um, sign your life away so to speak as far as your music goes and retaining ownership as much as you can for your songs that you've written and recorded yourself um, and with different people, you know, as far as, you know, being in a band goes. Um, so, yeah, so here, here we go. I'm going to get a little into the publishing do's and don'ts. So first, we're going to look at what not to do. And there are a few points I, I have here that I want to touch upon just because they're things that I've seen that I would never in a million years ever do. Um, again, everybody's different. There's pros and cons to, to, to what I'm about to uh, present to you as far as giving your publishing away or not giving it away or going exclusively or non-exclusively, but just for myself and what I know, what I can handle and manage and be okay with, um, this, this is what I do not do. And it's what I, what I uh, would encourage you to really take a deeper look into an agreement or a contract that, you know, comes your way um, if, you know, you're getting to that point of getting your music out there and, and more of a professional, um, long-term career. So what not to do? Number one, and again, this is a list, so it's okay. I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on this. Number one, never give away the publishing of your songs 100% unless it is for a substantial amount of money where you could potentially retire off of. I'm talking like a million to two million dollars to somebody who wants to buy our publishing. Well, then maybe it's okay to do that if you're okay with giving away most of the rights to your music. I'm not really willing to do that, but that's just me. 
you won't receive any back-end royalties on any public performances of your songs if you sign 100% of your publishing rights away. This could be the difference between retiring off of your music and not being able to do so. Some placements can be huge, life-changing placements, and while you might get a sync or a license fee for the usage of a song, which is lucrative, it's much more to your benefit to keep your publishing, because you will get paid both the writer's share and the publisher's share for every time the song is aired on a TV show or the like. Number two, never sign a contract which is asking for the exclusive right to your, use your music, because then you can't have your music anywhere else to gain exposure and extra income for you. It's like putting your eggs in just one basket rather than as many as possible. Of course, like I said before, there are pros and cons to exclusivity versus non-exclusivity, but I also err on the side of non-exclusivity because I want to make sure I get the music into as many different places as possible. Um, there are so many different scenarios in the music industry which could garner performance or back-end royalties like placing a song in a TV show, a film, theme music for a website, wedding slideshow, video, business slideshow or video, background, in-store music, music on hold systems, in-flight entertainment channels, and the list can continue to go on and on. Sometimes with these performance royalties come an upfront fee for the writers, referred to as a license, upfront, or sync fee, as in synchronization. This is a guaranteed amount of money the songwriters will receive for the usage of a song. Songs are split into two when dealing with publishing, writer's share and publisher share, or otherwise known as back-end or performance royalties. This term just means that whenever a song of yours is placed into a TV show, film, in-store, background music system, or anywhere your song is performed in a public manner, and this is why bars and restaurants have to pay a yearly fee to BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC, the three big performing rights organizations, to secure a quote-unquote license to play songs even in a digital jukebox, Pandora, Spotify, or other streaming service in their establishment. Now, since songs are split into two, you would think 50% would be for the writer's share and 50% would be for the publisher's share, totaling 100% for the song, right? Well, it does work like that, but songs are actually recognized as totaling 200% when registering a song with any of the aforementioned performing rights organizations, or PRO, as we will get into that a little bit later. 100% for writer's share, whoever wrote the main melody of music and lyrics for the song, and 100% for the publisher's share, whoever is in charge of getting the song out there in as many ways as humanly possible. If you don't have a publisher, you would select 200% for the composer or author or writer's share, which would cover both writer and publisher in one. Confusing a little, it was for me at first, but makes sense when you really start to think about it. Since the song is completely finished 100%, there had to be someone or multiple people involved in making the finished version of the song 100% finished. And number three, never take someone's word for it. This goes with any industry or facet of life, not just in music publishing. Bottom line is to get whatever you've agreed with another person or company on, whether it be on the phone, in person, or via email, in previous conversations, get it in writing in an official agreement for instance, a contract. Just because someone said it in passing doesn't mean they're going to hold their end of the bargain. It's about protecting your intellectual property to the fullest extent. And when it's in writing, they have to hold up to it. If they don't, it's a lawsuit that will end up in your favor. To make a real world example outside of the music industry, it's like someone saying they're going to sell their house for 300 grand, but then changing it to 500 grand just because they feel like it or had a change of heart. And not only that, but it would also be the equivalent of saying that they're going to fix any changes that need to be made to the house if they're not advertising it as an as-is sale. But when it comes to that time for that part of the process, they refuse to. If it's not in writing, it would end up in their favor instead of yours. Okay, so that's what not to do. So there's some things to look out for, right? We want to make sure we don't give away all our publishing. We want to make sure you go non-exclusive if you can. And in addition to that, I would say try your darndest to not go with a company that's going to retitle your music because what they're basically doing is just putting a their name of the company in front of your song title and then claiming most of the publishing 
In fact, they really haven't done anything other than maybe have a contact or two or have an established relationship. Um, that's really what these retitling companies are about. And I try my best anymore not to go with a company like that. It's it's just rubs me the wrong way and it's not a good way for me to do business ethically and morally. Um, it's like having two songs out there that are exactly the same because one person put KOA music in front of it, for example, Key of Awesome, and they put KOA music stay. And the song is actually just called stay. So there's two songs that are exactly the same, but have different titles. And it gets really confusing when you try to get the right payment out for that. And companies that deal with uh, artists who are retitling songs, they kind of get a bad rap for it. And understandably so. So now that we talked about what not to do or what to look out for, let's let's think about what we can do. So there's a really nice list here that I got 12 points here on a list for what to do with music publishing. And this is kind of like the beginning to the end process. Um, and we're, we can elaborate more on it. Can, there's a lot of great resources online that you can look up yourself. Um, I've done a lot of this trial and error and just kind of burning the candle on both ends and really grinding out, uh, reaching out to people, following up, getting right the right songs, um, meditated to, metadata tagged, and uh, having just you know lots of long uh, <laughs> time at nights, um, kind of just digging in deep with, with all of this stuff and, and figuring out on my own and doing a little bit of internet research in the process to figure out like what's best for me. So here we go. What to do with music publishing. Number one, write and record great material that you're excited to get out there. I mean, this might seem obvious, but you'd be surprised at how many people aren't totally sold on the music they've written because they have some sort of insecurity about themselves, the industry, or the process of how everything comes together. The more confident and excited you are about it, the more excited someone else will be about it. Positive energy is contagious and is a domino effect, which has to start with the writer and or artist. Number two, do some due diligence on the internet to see if you might be interested in starting your own music publishing company if you want to be a sole proprietor or LLC. If you don't feel like that might be a good fit for you, then start researching other publishing companies to quote-unquote house your music or represent you in this realm. And choosing this route, there's a good chance you'll be giving up all your publishing to the company because it'll be taking care of getting song placements for you and they need to get their cut of the pie as well. Number three, start your own music publishing company. Um, if you decide that that's the route you want to take and keep all your publishing rights. You can do this by going down to your state office and filling out paperwork, coming up with a name for the company, and paying an initial setup fee to do business in the state you live in. This way you can further protect your music and retain all the back-end royalties on songs you place in the media and never wonder if you own all the rights to every song you've written. You know it's all with you at all times. Number four, register your songs via a PRO. We've mentioned that before. It's an acronym for a performing rights organization for when you start pitching music later on in the process. This way, everything comes back to you as far as royalties go. I belong to BMI, which is Broadcast Music Incorporated. There's another company called ASCAP, and there's another company called CSAC. Those are the three major ones that are in the United States, and every country has their own performing rights organization. But if you live in the U.S., that's what you want to go with, BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC. And in Canada, um, if you're listening to this in North America, you would go with SOCAN, S-O-C-A-N. Um, so back to it. I belong to BMI, and they have a direct deposit once a quarter for both writer and publisher accounts. If you don't have a publisher yet, you can put 200% in the field for a writer or composer on the website like we talked about before, and that will ensure you get paid the full amount for any song placements. If you haven't set up your publishing company yet, you have set it up but are waiting for it to become recognized as a legal entity in your state 
or you're negotiating a contract with another publishing company, but it hasn't been finalized yet. Number five, do your market research on the internet by Google searching something to this effect. Music supervision companies, music licensing companies, music publishing companies, sync licensing companies, sync licensing opportunities, music supervision, music supervisors, and begin the process of collecting information in the form of emails and or phone numbers. Number six, send those emails or make phone calls with the intention of providing value in a different way than the company representative might be used to. Having a different angle than the usual angles is huge and definitely something that will help separate you from everyone else. For me, it's as simple as stating that I know the value music has to enhance a scene or environment and believe the company that we have the types of songs to do that for your company. Also, my company tagline has been commented on before, which is something easy to have in your email signature. Then you can make your pitch on what songs you feel might fit best for what projects. Following up every couple months is what I found to be best in keeping the lines of communication open. This is after you can initially reach out to them. And just so you're, if you're interested, my company tagline is a music publishing company representing storytelling artists. Something to that effect is pretty much what it is. and Because that's what I represent, people who tell stories. And it's one of those things that's becoming lost in a world um, today with music where you can just kind of throw a loop on, in the background and some bass and, and talk about people getting drunk and, and high and money and girls. And, and, and there's really no lyrical value or lyrical depth to it. And uh, so that's the kind of artist that I work with. Um, so then number seven, wait at least two weeks to follow up with someone if you initially reached out to them and haven't heard back. Music supervisors and other people who are widely known in the publishing realm are extremely busy and receiving thousands of emails per week with people pitching their music to them. The last thing you want to do is piss someone off by reaching out too much too soon. You want to be persistent but not get to that annoying phase. Riding the line between persistence and annoyance because if you aren't persistent, your music will get lost in the shuffle, but don't do it too much that it becomes something the person they're receiving and doesn't even want to indulge. Number eight, if the answer for many of the companies you reached out to is a yes, we'd love to represent your music and have it in our catalog for pitching their projects, or yes, we'd love to license this song, it's time to put you put on your negotiation hat. Depending on the usage of the song, whether it's a TV show, commercial, background music, wedding video, etc., rates will vary. There are a couple good sites out there that give a template on what they might use as far as negotiating for a one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year term, and so on, up until perpetuity goes. Perpetuity means forever and ever. That's it's just a fancy way of saying that. So be fair and reasonable as the higher you, you price a song, the less likely someone might be willing to pay for it. This is especially for artists who are relatively unknown. Number nine, once everything is agreed upon and in writing, make sure you not only have the original version of the song, but also an instrumental version of each song. Sometimes the instrumental versions get placed before the vocal versions do. And you want to make sure you have them in both MP3 and WAV file formats. Number 10, uh... Make sure your music is metadata tagged. And this is as simple as importing the music you want to send out to a company into iTunes and filling in the pertinent fields. The reason for this is because a lot of these companies have thousands upon thousands of songs that we talked about in their catalog. And for easy searching for songs on their end, for pitching to projects and to recall a song for a particular theme or buzzword like love, breakup, party, and the song title, they can narrow it down quickly. You want to make sure in the notes field you put the writer's name, publisher name, what PRO or performing rights organization is for each writer and publisher, fill in the genre, what style or mood the song is, what tempo or beat per minute the song is, and anything else you feel is important for someone to search the song by. Sometimes even putting the key of the song is a good idea too. Uh, number 11, send the files off to the company in the way 
they'd like to receive them. Most of the time, I've used WeTransfer.com. You could submit up to two gigabytes of information in a single email with this service, and I love it. Uh, Dropbox or an FTP site given to me by the company to upload songs and anything else they ask for, such as an artist bio, promo photo, cover, art for songs, etc. There are a few companies out there that still want you to send in an old-fashioned CD in, in snail mail. Uh, so yeah, you want to make sure you when you when they ask for your music and to actually give it to them in, in the format that they want to receive it. It's important. They wouldn't ask you to do so if it wasn't important on their end. Uh, number 12, wait at least a month before following up to see if any placements have been made of the music you submitted. Remember, these companies intake so many songs on any given day, week, and month. And so that even though it's hard, it's best policy to be patient. Use it as a time to practice your patience. So all of that, wow, that was a mouthful, huh? So there's a lot of things you can do, what to do, what to look for, and then it's sometimes almost better and, and more educational in, in the learning process is to learn what not to do. So feel free to take what you want out of this. Um, it's kind of like a step-by-step -step guide on what to do uh, with music publishing in order to get all your ducks in a row and get the music out there for yourself and for anyone else that you want to represent. And it's definitely... A lot of people doing it these days, uh, trying to get music out there in different ways. You got to be a little creative. Think about different areas you can promote your music um, and market it in, in different ways. Um, you know, get a really get your creative thinking hat on and thinking outside of the box is definitely a good thing in this realm. Um, I've been able to establish a few dozen relationships just off of cold emailing people and telling them, I believe we have value in the music that we represent um, to enhance a scene or environment for a project that you're working on, whether you know that be in TV, movie, film, um, commercials, advertising, marketing, uh, background music, in-store uh, music, um, music on hold systems. Or lately, I've been it's it's amazing. I've been getting into the in-flight entertainment system, which is really cool. So uh, there's there's some neat avenues out there that you can try to get the music out there in, in, in ways that might not have been so obvious in the past. Just think a little bit outside of the box and uh, have some fun with it. And feel free to comment. Let me know what you think um, about this episode. I'm really digging these and enjoying them. I'm going to be doing a little bit more in 2018. Uh, this year closed out with, the, this is the 12th episode of this year. And uh, I'm thinking I'm going to probably end up doing one a month uh, in 2018. I did a bunch of them in October this year and just uploaded them recently. Um, but really interested in continuing this and just getting the word out more about different things music related, all things music. This is Jim Gavin from the Key of Awesome Music Podcast. Have a great one, guys. Bye-bye.